Okay, thank you, Pastor. Mm. Thank you. Amen. Okay, well, good evening. Good to be uh, back with you uh, tonight. Uh, I trust you had a good morning and uh, God worked amongst you. We're going to uh, turn to Jeremiah chapter number 16. Jeremiah chapter number 16. And uh, tonight I'm the first preacher, so... Uh, I will try to uh, be conscious of that, uh, sit with the time and get through the thought. Uh, but I do want to say the, the, the kind of the, the, the thought tonight really deserves more time than, than I can give it. So I guess what I will do is try to just put something out there for you and uh, let you maybe contemplate it further, uh, you know, as it comes up in your mind uh, in the future. So. Uh, we're going to sort of look at a few verses, speed through. I'm going to be talking to you, uh, if you want to title this, uh, you might title it The Men of the Message. The Men of the Message. And of course, all Christians are people with a message. Uh, we've, been, we've been entrusted with a message, a message that is not our own. It, 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 it is of another, uh, but he's given it to us. And anybody who ever got saved, anybody who ever came to Christ, did so because somebody else gave them the gospel. God has not appointed angels to preach the gospel. God has not given that to, to, to uh, uh, angelic beings or, uh, or other heavenly beings. The gospel has been committed to us. So we are people with a message. That's why we believe in missions and uh, we believe in getting that message out to other places. And, and uh, so uh, tonight I just want to look at uh, something maybe a little bit different, but just look at the men of the message and, and just show something. If, if Probably if there was any church uh, I was going to sort of teach this thought to uh, as I was thinking about it today, probably this church uh, would already be the most in tune with what I'm about to say. Uh, I believe that. As we get through it, maybe you will agree with that. I think already you probably will will just kind of nod and agree uh, with what I'm about to say, where maybe others might stumble at a little bit, but I think you've proven over many years that that, uh, this truth will sit fine with you. Uh, We're going to be talking about prophets. And uh, some people think that prophets are something that is only Old Testament. So we, so we need to just clarify that a little bit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11 tells us that God gave uh, to the church, God gives uh, teachers and pastors and evangelists. And in that same list in your New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 4, you see that God gave prophets. Now, uh, I, I'm settled with that. I believe that... Uh, that they are amongst us, or they, they're, uh, they, they're, 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 there are prophets alive today, uh, not in the sense of perhaps how we think about them in the Old Testament. In other words, they're not prophetically speaking forth futuristic things uh, that uh, becomes the Word of God. Uh, not in that sense, but it, it, it could also be true that perhaps they are given to saying things that they don't always realize what they say, uh, but there's a greater, uh, it means more than sometimes even they understood what they say. 
uh, a bit like that, uh, that uh, high priest who said uh, of Jesus, uh, and he didn't mean it how he said it, but he said it's expedient that one man should die for the nation. Uh, he meant it in a bad way, but he didn't realize actually what he said was a very profound biblical truth. Uh, it, was, it was God's way that Jesus would die for the nation, indeed for all. So sometimes it like that. Uh, so I believe there are prophets. Uh, you say, uh, do you know any? I, I think I do. I'm not going to give you names, uh, but uh, I, I, I think I do. Uh, I've observed that they seem to know each other. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't say that a person is a prophet just because he has a large church. I don't think that qualifies a man. I, I think it's a distinct gift. And I think there's just some that are selected. They have that anointing on their life. And uh, it's just what they do. They probably do other things as well. Uh, I think they're often teachers and preachers and, and uh, that. But I think they recognize each other. I think the spirit in one often recognizes the spirit in another. But I just want you to understand, uh, as we look at this, that we do have prophets today. All right? Now, we don't have apostles. All right? Let's be clear about that. We had 12. They're gone. Uh, but uh, so, so Because some people still say, well, we've got more apostles. No, no. There were some unique qualifications of an apostle. You, you had to walk with Jesus. You had to see the resurrected Christ. And, uh, and uh, we, we have those 12. I don't believe that. But we certainly have prophets. So Jeremiah... Uh, chapter number 16, and this will be a little bit piecemeal, and I apologize if it comes across that way. From verse number one, the word of the Lord came also unto me, saying, Thou shalt not take thee a wife, neither shalt thou have sons or daughters in this place. So uh, Jeremiah the prophet, Jeremiah the prophet was told, You can't marry. Now that wasn't a rule for every prophet but it was told to Jeremiah, you, you, won't, you won't take a wife, and Jeremiah, you're not to have children. And uh, that would automatically make someone a little bit strange. O already now, you're out of sync with everybody else in your culture uh, because you're not marrying and you're not having children, and particularly in the culture of the East, that's a normal thing to do. That's just part of growing up. You take a wife, you marry, you have children. And so he's not to do that. Uh, more things than that. In verse number 8, uh, God said to him, Thou shalt not go into the house of feasting to sit with them to eat and to drink. God said, uh, Jeremiah, uh, no, no, uh, no parties. Not for you. So when you get invited to go to the party, when you get invited to get with your friends and rejoice and you can't go. You're not to go. And, uh, and all of these things that God said, and I've stopped short of it because I'm under a bit of time pressure just for getting this in, but, but if you were to read on, uh, for each of those things, God said, you're not to do it uh, for this reason. It will speak of this. And so there's a, there's a message, there's a connection with what he's doing with what God is saying. Do we get that? There's a connection with what the prophet is doing with what God is saying. And the idea of Jeremiah was, in verse number three, you're not to have children uh, because all the, all the children of this land are going to be carried away. and You're not to go through uh, rejoicing and all of that because uh, there's not going to be rejoicing. There's going to be mourning and crying and weeping about what's going to come. 
But, but can you see that if you're Jeremiah, uh, as, the, as the prophet, you're kind of different to everybody else now. And uh, you have this anointing, you have this unique thing where you can give out the Word of God and God's unction is upon you, uh, but you're strange. And you're not strange because you want to be strange. Most people who are strange just want to fit in. <coughs> but, but you're strange because you've been set apart for this unique thing. And uh, so, so Jeremiah was that way. Go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 20. And uh, just uh, I'll point out another one here. And then maybe one more. And then I'll just give you two or three uh, thoughts. Uh, uh, you know, kind of one, two, three about this. Isaiah chapter 20. And uh, verse number two and three. Uh, and at the same time spake the Lord by Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from off thy loins, and put off thy shoe from thy foot. Okay, so take off, you know, that part of your clothing, and, and take off your shoes. And he did so, walking naked and barefoot. And the Lord said, like as my servant Isaiah hath walked naked and barefoot three years for a sign and wonder upon Egypt and upon Ethiopia, so shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptians' prisoners. And you can read on. But the idea was that, that it was appointed to Isaiah, the prophet, that he was to walk naked He was to walk naked and barefoot for a period of time. And uh, Isaiah didn't select that for himself. But uh, God said, I want you to do that. I have no doubt that in all these things, there was a certain amount of humiliation for the prophet. I, I have no doubt that the prophet had to deal with his own thoughts of, this is a bit humiliating everybody's looking at me. I know what they're thinking about me. Uh, but God required it of them, and it was a sign. And uh, if you put it in context, you can read that it wasn't just about Isaiah being naked, but, but, but it was part of the message. It was part of what God was, was saying to them. Now, uh, one more, if you would. Uh, Ezekiel uh, chapter number 4. Ezekiel chapter number 4, just a couple of verses, and uh, then we'll just uh, give some thought to what this might mean, uh, bearing in mind that we do have prophets uh, uh, amongst us today, and I don't want you to see that as a kind of an elite class, or I don't want you to see it as a kind of popery, because it's not that. It's just a gifting that God has given some. Uh, I, I wouldn't know anyone who could choose that for themselves, but uh, just like God calls some to pastors and teachers and preachers and evangelists, there are some prophets as well, and it's just something that God gives and calls for his purposes. It's to help the local church. Chapter number 4 of Ezekiel, verse 4, uh, Lie thou also upon thy left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, According to the number of days that thou shalt lie upon it, thou shalt bear their iniquity. 
For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity according to the number of the days, 390 days, so shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. So God told Ezekiel to lie on his left side for 390 days. That's a little bit unusual. That's, that's, uh, that's a little bit, not every, it's not normal. But God told him to do that. And uh, when he finished with that, in, um, in verse number 6, and when thou hast accomplished them, when you've got through those amount of days, lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. Uh, I have appointed thee each day for a year. So uh, when, I, when I add up the, what, the 360, 40, uh, you, you've got the prophet lying on his side, first the left for all those days, and then God tells him to, to lay on the other side. Now these are... These are the men of God. These are the ones who have a particular closeness with God. These are the men who understand the ways of God in a little bit deeper way. And God uses them, these prophets, to communicate to the people some, some important truth that God is giving to them, all right? And, but, but their behaviors seem a little bit strange here. So here's our thought. Number one is this. If the prophet is on his side, it's for Israel. If the prophet is on his side, he's not lying on his side for himself. He's not, he's not doing it for himself. Uh, God has put that upon him, and he's on his side, which looks kind of strange, He's on his side because God is speaking to Israel. All right, so I, I want to give you, a, I want you to think about that today. So, so we have some, some today that God uh, maybe is putting some people through certain things and they're going through that. And when we look at that, we think, boy, that's strange. That's, that's really unusual. What's, what, what are they doing? And, uh, but the reason that they're going through that is because some of those people lying on their side are actually going to be used of the Lord to help us profoundly. Those people are experiencing something that is not just about them, but it's about they're going to be helping us. Now, that doesn't mean that we're comfortable with that. Uh, we're really not comfortable with seeing our prophets on their side. We don't like seeing prophets on their side any more than we like seeing kings on crosses. That, that doesn't fit well with us. And uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't readily warm to that. Re remember that when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, everybody wanted to be a part of that. That, that was a great day. I can imagine the, the, uh, the, the, the 12 and, and others rejoicing and, and thinking, this, this is what it's about. This is how we like to see our leader. Uh, we like to see him recognized and, and we like to see him afforded his, uh, uh, you know, his due place and, and, uh, and uh, uh, coming through in triumph. And everybody can be a part of that, but there's something that kind of starts to sit a little bit strange when God takes that one and puts him on a cross. 
uh, you'll notice then that the crowd wasn't there. You'll notice then the 12 were hard to find. And we shouldn't judge them too harshly because they are probably us. You see, when we see a prophet on his side, we feel a bit uncomfortable with that. And we kind of think, uh, can you get up? And he's kind of like, I can't get up at the moment. Yeah, but this is sort of... Could, could, you, do you think maybe you could just sort of stand up and give you a lesson? You know, right now I can't move from this place. God has me on my side. Yeah, but, but we would feel better if you could get up. Well, you might, but I can't do anything. And then finally when he gets up, we say, oh, praise God, he's, he's back. And then we look again and he's, for, he's on the other side. And we think, he's down there again. And there's just there's something about that, that that we can struggle with. We can, because we just, we don't readily like to see our prophets in that condition. And I'm just saying to us tonight that we, we've got to understand that some of the people who help us the most are the people who are on their side sometimes. Some, some of the people who God profoundly uses to help us and to, to show us things are people who seem to be in awkward positions sometimes. And, uh, and when that is happening, what we need to do is not be judging them because they're on their side. What, what we need to do is, is not be accusing them because they're on their side. We may not understand it. It may not sit immediately well with us. But we just, we just need to maybe take a breath and understand if the prophet is on his side, it's for Israel. That's, that's, that's what's going on here. This is, uh, did, did not Paul say that, that we, we comfort others with the comfort we ourselves received from God through our sufferings? And, uh, and there's a pattern there that, that often the people who God uses to comfort us and to help us are the people who go through that themselves. But sometimes we have in our mind that, that we don't want our... Uh, I don't like the word heroes. I, 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 I kind of shun that a little bit. I don't think anyone in Christian service, that's not a really good title. It's used a little bit more in America than here. But, but, uh, but some of our leaders, some of our people that we know have a walk with God and we know they understand God. When we see them in that position, we just wrestle with that a little bit. And I'd just like us to maybe align a little bit tonight or maybe just get a little, <clears throat> a little bit more mature understanding and understand that, uh, you know, it's not, it's not unusual that God would take his men through some seemingly strange things because out of that is going to come some help for some other people. Uh, your pastor will not be up all the time. He, he's just, he, now we kind of would like that because we know that we bump along like that, but sometimes we just, we kind of want to believe in the infallible leader. You know, we, 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 we it, maybe a part of us is all North Koreans. You know, we, we just, we just want to believe in the, the infallible leader who's smarter than us all, uh, has everything in hand, uh, has the answer to every question, wins every fight. Uh, is just the profound victor over the whole world, and he's our leader. Uh, but of course, that's not a reality. That's a, that's a delusional uh, thought. Very often, 
the people that will help you the most are going to have their moments when they're on the side. And it's not for them, but, uh, but, it's, but it's for Israel. Now, the second, second thing I want to say this, number two, is this, that uh, it's not just the prophet, it's the, it's the message of the prophet that we need to focus on. All right? So, so what we need to do is we need to get ourselves beyond just what we're seeing in the man and get to the message. So imagine that we're here, uh, we're, uh, we're in Israel, we're in Isaiah's time, and we're in our little house, and your wife says, uh, as she looks out the window, honey, uh, was that a naked man that just walked past our house? And you go, I think so. And she said, uh, you know, that looked a whole lot like, and you go, Isaiah. And she says, yes. Now, you know, our, our difficulty is this. When we see naked prophets, we stare at their nakedness instead of paying attention to their message. When, when we see naked prophets, that's what captures our attention instead of thinking further and saying, what's the message behind this? What, what is it that God is trying to show us through this? Uh, what, what, what's, what's the purpose of this? Boy, that's a little, that's a little bit strange uh, to see him that way. But what is it that I'm supposed to learn from that? And uh, what you might learn is that all men are men. Uh, we, uh, we said the other night, uh, amazing, that years after Peter denied Christ by saying, I don't know, years later, uh, he was again caught in that snare of the fear of men uh, denying that he had any association with Gentile believers, fearing those who came from James. And, uh, and uh, sometimes, you know, we, we just, we, we, we need to accept the reality as the Bible shows us, uh, not, not, not our, our fanciful conceptions of how things are. If the, if the prophet, if the naked prophet is before us, then there's a message in that. Right? God is not in the business of trying to humiliate anybody just to humiliate them. God, God is not the one who plays the, the business of let's name and shame. God doesn't do that. How many times does God just, just deal with someone privately and God has no intent or desire to, to humiliate them or to, to, to hurt them before others? That's not the way of God. Now, it is what men do sometimes, but it's not the way of God. God is very careful with that. So if God is sending a naked prophet past our window, then God is not asking us to stare at the nakedness, but God is prompting us to think about what's the message? What am I to learn from that? And there's always a connection between the man and the message. You know, you can, you can uh, <coughs> it's hard to, to uh, have a message without a man. Uh, just, it's just that God uses people. You know, the Bible is a book that's full of naked prophets. All, all through the Word of God, God shows us men and, uh, and uh, select things. Look, look at their family. And I don't know about you, I don't want anyone staring at my family. There's some things that I want to just put a hedge around and say, that's, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not for everyone. But deliberately, through the Word of God, God shows us different people and tells us things that they did or happened to them. And it's very revealing. 
and it's like we're getting to see some things. God is not doing that for us to stare at those people. God, God is not doing that for us to make judgments about David. God is doing that, that we would learn the message of that. The idea is that we would get beyond staring at the nakedness and take a moment and say, okay, there's a message here. What's, what's more important is not what he's not wearing. What's more important is, God, what are you telling us? What's the lesson? And for Isaiah, the lesson was that this is going to be everybody in the future. And there was a, you can read the context of that, but there's always a connection. So, so, so that's what we have to do because, you know, we're going to come across situations like that where our, where our prophet is on his side uh, or where our prophet is uh, barefoot and naked, barefoot alone, big, big no-no in the East to walk around like that. Don't do that. Uh, strange. Uh, but God had, God had Isaiah to do that. So, so, so if the prophet is on his side, it's for Israel. Number two, uh, though the man is a vessel, it's about the message, not the man. Last thought, number three, the prophet will pass away. But the message of the prophet endures. The prophet, will, Isaiah's gone. Jeremiah's gone. Ezekiel's gone. Uh, others are gone. Some in our own time are now gone. But the message, the message, the message stays the same. Let me show you as we conclude 2 Kings chapter number 13, just a couple of verses here. Uh, <coughs> one of my, uh, in fact, just two, uh, two are very interesting verses. Uh, I have pondered a, a lot, just very God, uh, a bit strange. You've probably read over this, but it's actually saying more than maybe you realize it's saying. And <coughs> like everything in the Word of God, it's here for a reason. In 2 Kings chapter number 13, something about Elisha, verse number 20, remembering Romans 15, 4, that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. And so God has this here uh, in the Word of God for our learning. Verse number 20 and 21 of 2 Kings chapter number 13. It goes with our third point. And Elisha died, and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass, as they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Two little verses, and the Holy Spirit just, just oh, by the way, you should know about this. And God puts it in the Word of God. So, so you get the picture. Elisha's dead. He's been dead for a while. How do you know that? Because he's bones now. There's just bones in the sepulchre, in the grave. And, uh, and somebody else, uh, there's, a, there's a group of men burying a friend, a man, and it's funeral day, and uh, they're in process of burying him, and uh, they spy uh, a band of, of the enemy coming through, and the funeral is interrupted. And they realize we don't have time. 
Let's just stick him in here. And so to get over with it quickly, they just drop that man, you know, put him in, just drop him in, and he just happens to touch the bones of Elisha. And when he does that, he wakes up, gets up, revives, and the funeral is cancelled. You say, what happened? Well, that's God. Here's what God is saying. Here's why that's it. God is saying this. Elisha is gone. But the power and the message of the prophet remains. That's, that's the truth. Uh, uh, do you get it? Elisha's just bones now. But everything Elisha said to you is still the same. The, the God that Elisha spoke of is still the same. The power that Elisha spoke of is still available. Uh, the, the, the man is gone, but the message endures. And that was just God's endorsement, God's uh, hand, God's finger on that to just affirm to those people that uh, Elisha may not be in your midst anymore, but the God of Elisha is still here, and uh, it still works, and the power is still available, and uh, you can still get the touch of God, and God can still raise the dead and do the miracles that he did in Elisha's time. <coughs> and so the prophets will go. The prophets will leave us. But it's the message that continues. The message is enduring. God doesn't change. Uh, the things that they taught us, what was true yesterday, is true today. We don't need any new truths. There, there are none. We, 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 we don't need any new interpretations of God. Uh, we, we, we don't need to cut part of the message for the day. We need to understand it's the same God, it's the same message, the same power, it's all still available, and long after these prophets leave our midst, the things that they taught us about God will continue to be true. And that's, that's, that's what is being said here. So, so we're going to encounter it in our church the, the next time that you meet one of the prophets and, uh, and it's kind of awkward because he's on his side. And you don't know what to say. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, praying for you. Thanks. It's kind of awkward. It's kind of awkward. You know, we, we, we want him to be up. We want him to wear a cape. We want to see it flutter in the wind. You know, we, this is our man. This is our, this is our prophet. But actually many times, many times, God puts them like that. And then, and then just when they get up and say, well, that's done. God said, uh, the other side. And then they're down again. But through that, through that, they speak to us of things of God that we wouldn't have got any other way. They, they, they illuminate profound truths that God gave them. And it was given for us. And if he'd not been on his side, we wouldn't have seen that. And I'm just saying we, we need to, to just 
just understand the process. Now, like I said in the beginning, this church is probably better at this than any church I know. So why do you say that? Because you, I know you. I know you love the men of God. I, I, I know that you're not examining them looking for some point of failure. I know that, that in the past, if a man of God has been on his side, that you're quick to overlook that. I know that. I, I know that you, you look to bigger things. And you're probably an example here more than many places. I know how you feel. I know how you feel about some of your pastors before. I know your heart. I know your affections. And sometimes uh, in the Christian life, it's just going to happen. And it might be a little bit awkward, but, but it's just how it works. It's just how it works. If the prophet is on his side, it's for Israel. It's for us. It's for us. Let's have a word of prayer. And then uh, I, I'm done. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to uh, understand your ways and sometimes we think things that maybe are not exactly in accord with how you do things. Uh, we thank you that you do gift us as local churches with uh, pastors and teachers and preachers and evangelists and indeed prophets. And we need them, Lord. They help us. Uh, so, Lord, may we focus on the message and not so much on the man. And we just thank you, Lord, that some people have been through some things and as a result of that, they've understood you better and we've been greatly edified by the things they've taught us. Uh, bless these thoughts, Lord. Uh, help it to just bed down, maybe something we could just remember for the future. Bless the church. Bless Brother Fisher as he comes also. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.